have your Bibles open to 2 Kings 5. And we are welcome to those uh, new to church this year. We are actually going through a series called Young and Free. Hands up if you're young and free. <laughs> That's right. Because eternally, in, in, eternal, in eternity's perspective, um, we're all young. And according to Jesus, we're all free. And there are some young people in the Bible before Jesus and even after Jesus who understood what it meant to be young and free. A young person having an eternal perspective, a, a heavenly perspective, and also free, free to live out the life that God called them to. Now, in this passage today, we see two different people. One of them is named and one of them is not named. There's a great contrast here. We see Naaman and a little maid. Naaman is the head of an army. The maid is a captive. She's been seized by an army. Naaman is great and exalted. In fact, the Hebrew word there for his, his, his face is lifted up. He's, there's nothing for him to be ashamed of. He's great. And she is a girl. Now, in that culture, even in Naaman's culture, not just Israel's culture, but girls were just, you know, not that great, not that exalted, not that honoured in society. Naaman is a brave and valiant warrior, tough. And she, we're told in verse 2, is little. She's little. He is a man of success and she is a nameless girl with loss and grief and nothing. He holds in his hands all of life's successes and she holds in her hands nothing. At a very young age, this girl, nameless as she is, was ripped out of her family and taken by foreign people, foreign man, a foreign man would have come through her home and grabbed her, thrown her on the back of his horse and taken her into captivity as a slave. She would have lost everything. She may be unnamed because she couldn't remember what her name was. We're not sure. But one thing I know about this and other places where people aren't named and other people are, is that what we can learn from this story is not so much who she was, but what she did. And I think that's the focus of this, this narrative in 2 Kings 5. You see, a lot of us read this story, this event in history, and we focus on the named one. And it's funny that his name is Naaman. <laughs> we focus on him and maybe the lesson he learned from God and the miracle that came, which was great. I mean, you think about it. We finished that reading, thank you, Trudy, um, with these words. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Who looked in the mirror this morning? I know, it's disappointing, isn't it, sometimes? You just think... Ever, and you hold a new baby and you look at 
how soft the skin is, how delicate and untouched the skin is. And then you look at the arms that are holding it and, oh boy, <laughs> what happened? Life happened. But could you imagine this warrior now with baby skin? Like this tough guy on the outside, now soft and white. And he would have he would have got a job in any beauty store or on any of those, you know, oil of new land ads on television. Look at how good your skin can get. But this story is not about this man. I think this story is about this girl. In fact, the story is about the Lord. But I think we can learn from this young and free person, this little girl. She's a little girl. And so we see the contrast, a great contrast between her and Naaman in verses 1 and 2. Let's just read it again. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. See, it's funny because he's from Aram, not from Israel, not from Samaria. He's from Aram, he's an enemy. But it says the Lord had given him victory over Israel. Is that strange, isn't it? Why is that? Because Israel were turning their backs on God. They were worshipping other idols. They were worshipping Molech and Baal. And they were worshipping other things. And God had promised them, if you serve me and honour me, I'll protect you from the other nations. But if you turn your back on me, what can I do? And so the Lord used the enemy to raid and pillage certain towns. And it was in one of those raids that this little girl, nameless as she is, was pinched and taken captive. She'd never see her mum again. She may have been about three or four, five or six. We're not sure. I looked into the Hebrew and it basically means that this girl is little, small, Minute. So <laughs> that's the words there. Not not only is she a girl, see that word girl there means somewhere between birth and adolescence. But she's a little girl. In the Hebrew there's two words. So she's a little one of those. So she's, you know, the lower end of halfway. You think of adolescence for a girl, what's that? Twelve starting into that. So she would have been six, maybe five or six, seven. Homeless, familyless, nameless, small, seized, captive, but not leprous. You know, if there's one thing going for this young girl is that she is ceremonially clean. How many of you know that you can't always help what happens to you, but you can help what happens in you? Like you can't always help what happens to you, but you can happen, help what happens in you. You know, it might hit the fan in life, you know, the proverbial. Stuff might go off the rails. The, the doctor's report might not be the best. The family situation is just out of control. You know, you might think to yourself, what is God doing in this? How is this happening to me? But, and you can't control what's happening to you, but... As believers, we can control what happens in us. 
One of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And this little girl, she lost everything. She was unsuccessful in the world's eyes, while her master was successful in the world's eyes. She could have responded in two ways, like a lot of us. In fact, I believe these are the two ways that all of us can respond when things happen to us, like grief and loss and pain. The first way to respond is, why God? And the second way to respond is, what God? Why God? Why me, God? Why did this happen to me, God? Why did this happen, God? Why did that person do that to me? How is it that you allowed that person to do that to me? Why didn't you step in and do something, God, when I was four or five? Why didn't you step in and do something, God, while that person was doing those evil things? Why didn't you stop it? Good questions, really, isn't it? Like you look around the world and you see the evil that's around the world. I mean, we only see half of it. Why doesn't God just step in and stop it? Why? Why didn't he stop this little girl from being taken captive? She could have responded like that. She could have become bitter and blamed God. Well, she could have responded, what God? What do I have power over in this situation, God? What do you like in this situation to me, God? What is? What are you saying? What are you trying to say to me in, in the middle of all of this, God? What can I choose to do to bring you glory in this situation that makes no sense to me, God? <laughs> Why God or what God? And this little girl, she, um, it says here in verse 2, bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive this young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She served Naaman's wife. She was the servant of a wife of a leper. It's like, you know, when you, I don't know, we don't ridicule people, but you know, like if people were to ridicule someone, they might say, "You're a fly. You're a fly on the butt of a of a donkey." But to make it worse, you might say, "You're the you're the you're the parasite parasite gnat that feeds on the poo of a fly on the back of a donkey." Like, I'm just, I know that's really bad language, but I'm trying to get to the point here that this little girl, she is not just a slave. She is the slave of a wife who, in that situation, she's just a woman too. She's the slave of a wife of a man with leprosy. She is very unsuccessful. She has no place in society. But you see, what she has is a voice. And you look around the world, there's a lot of people around the world, especially young people, four, five, six-year-olds, that are being sold into slavery. Like even today, this is not just something we're reading about, you know, a thousand years ago, two, three thousand years ago. This is happening today. And and groups like Destiny Rescue, if we can support something like that, those groups um, are fantastic in, in helping kids 
And women, families get out of slavery and into real life, setting them up, giving them training. You know, it's awesome to see that. This little girl, um, she was just like that. She's nameless. She's just a captive from a, from a raid. And she could have responded, why God? But she decided to respond with mercy. She chooses mercy. Look, look at verse 3. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. She's talking about Elisha. She's noticed that her master is a leper. He has leprosy all over his body. Now, it might be that nobody else noticed that he was a leper. And when he took his armour off at home, it was only the people at home that noticed it. It might be that. It might be that he, you know, leprosy in the Bible is, is just really um, a form of skin disease. So it's not, not necessarily that his arms are falling off or, you know, things like that, or his nose is falling off, but that he's got some kind of skin disease that is only visible to his family. It might be that. And she notices that when he gets home, and she notices how much pain he's in. We don't know. It might be that she remembers being brought up in a Jewish family, being discipled around the campfire and every single Passover. She might have had six or seven Passover meals with her family, retelling the stories of God's redemption and how God can save, but also the rules and regulations around worship in the community of Israel and what leprosy is and how to deal with it and all those sorts of things. And she might have thought to herself, Poor Naaman, he's one of those outcasts. I know what it feels like to be an outcast. I want to help him out. She might have thought like that. She might have gone above and beyond the situation that she was in and not let it affect her on the outside or the inside. She chooses mercy, though. She says to her master, her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria and and uh, be cured of his leprosy. She remembers Elisha. She remembers hearing stories about Elisha. She remembers hearing stories possibly about how he healed people or about how he raised people from the dead or about he provided, how he provided for a Shunammite widow, woman. But she remembers. She knows that God is good to all. Large and small, great or small. She knows that about God. And maybe, just maybe, she had mercy on him and her mistress because she believed that that mercy would come back to her. Maybe. We don't know. Because there's things in uh, in the Bible. Let me do, I'm, I'm going to go for a bit of a journey. There's some scriptures about that, about showing mercy to your enemies. All right, so Jeremiah 29, verse 7. We know, verse, we know Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29 and verse 7. This is the Lord speaking to his people, uh, to, to uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Uh also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. 
Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Isn't that an interesting prayer? That God would tell Jeremiah to say this. Also seek, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city which I have carried you into exile. Seek the peace and prosperity of the people that have captured you and made you slave. Does anyone understand that? Do you get that? Isn't that doesn't that seem countercultural? Seek, seek the peace of that city of those people and seek the prosperity of that city and those people. Like that's not that's not revenge. That's not my enemies deserve justice, so I won't seek the peace and prosperity. That's not God saying to Israel, okay, Israel, do nothing to your enemies. Sit back and watch me bring revenge. That's not what God's saying there. God says to them, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. You know what a thermometer is? What does a thermometer do? It measures the temperature. Do you know what a thermostat is? A thermostat is similar, but it's actually quite different. It regulates the temperature. It switches something off when the temperature gets to a certain point. It almost controls the temperature of the appliance that it's a part of, so it doesn't overheat. And, and what this is like, it's like God's called Israel and all believers to not be thermometers, but to be thermostats in captivity, in, our, in the midst of the loss, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the injustice, in the midst of the... You fill in the blank. This little girl, she could have been a thermometer. But she chose, she could have, she could have just, you know, she chose to control her influence in the situation rather than let the situation control her. She wasn't influenced by what was around her, like a thermometer. She influenced, she was influenced by what was within her. Does that make sense? So when God says to them, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile, pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Guess where the people are when they're praying for the prosperity of the city? They're in the middle of the city. They're in the middle of the situation. They're in the middle of the pain. They're in the middle of the loss. They're in the middle of captivity. They're in the middle of being out of control and not in power. And this is where this God actually often, I believe, allows bad things to happen to good people so that in the middle of that situation, they can be the change agent to bring God's blessing. Seek the peace and prosperity. Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. Now pray against them. Don't pray against them. Don't say, God, deliver your punishment on these people. God, they've, they've turned their backs on you. Bring judgment upon them, we pray. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's like the story of Joshua before he goes into Jericho. 
You know the story, that story. Do you know before he goes in, he has a conversation with with one of the commanders of God's army. Like it's weird because he's like a big angel, right? And and Joshua says to this massive big commander of the Lord's army, he asks him a question. Does anyone know what the question is? Are you for us or against us? And and the commander of the Lord's army says what? Neither. Neither. I'm not for you or against you. Isn't that just amazing? Like we kind of, sometimes we get into the trap of seeing things in this world as things in this world, as people in this world, rather than seeing things in this world as people from God's world, from God's perspective, from God's kingdom. Now, Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. You know, bless them. Seek their, seek their peace and prosperity. Um, it's, it's about being bigger in the situation, being the adult in the situation. And it's, it's actually this little girl with Naaman, the great commander, this little powerless Israelite girl that has no family or support really around her at all. And she's being the bigger person in this whole situation. She's like acting like the adult. <laughs> and she comes with mercy and love towards her captor and seeks his prosperity and his peace. Maybe she's seen the relationship between her, her mistress and Naaman and how it's been marred and how it's maybe falling apart and their marriage is just coming apart at the seams because there's no intimacy and they can't be because of the, the serious illness that Naaman has called leprosy. It's this problem on the outside that he can't deal with. And maybe this little girl has just had mercy upon that because she wants the best for this person, even though he is her enemy in, in more ways than one. Proverbs 16 verse 7 um, talks about how you can make even your enemies be at peace with you when you live God's ways. Isn't that cool? I love Proverbs. And sometimes I hate Proverbs because, you know, you have to change. You have to change your attitude. or <laughs> It's very confronting. That has Proverbs 16 verse 7. I'll read it, actually. It says, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord. Oh, so it doesn't apply to women. No worries. <laughs> when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. Like it's about seeking the Lord's ways. Um, not that they don't have anything against them, because they're still enemies, right? It's, it's, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. They're still enemies. They're still called enemies, but but that is but you don't have anything against them. They might have everything against you, but if you live in such a way to please the Lord, it says he makes he even his enemies live at peace with him. It's like um, if if I live in such a way to please God, if someone comes through that door to to take my life or to make my life miserable. All right, they might see themselves as my enemy, but because I love God, they actually aren't my enemy. I don't see them as my enemy. 
I, I know I know that my battle is not against flesh and blood, but against every power that I can't see in the spiritual realms, right? That's our battle. It's not against flesh and blood. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his one, one and only son, that whoever believes, whoever, whoever believes, shall not perish but have eternal life. That's God's perspective. So this guy needs to believe. So therefore, I'm not his enemy, even though he thinks I am, and he's not my enemy. He can take my life, but I just want him to give his life to Jesus. And that's what mercy does. It's laying down the, the right, if you want to call it that, to get revenge, the right to be silent. You see, this little girl, she could have remembered all, all about the story she heard about Elisha. She could have remembered about how God was good and how he brought salvation to people through, through Passover celebrations and all the stories she heard around the campfire with her family. She could have remembered all that and shut her mouth and not said anything because she thought that her captor deserved to suffer in his jokes. <laughs> Sorry, that's a bad saying. But to suffer. She, she, she could have just thought, you know what? I'm going to stay silent. I'm not going to seek, I'm not going to say anything bad about him, but I'm just going to say, so I'm going to withhold God's love and mercy. Sometimes we can do that, can't we, to the people that rub us the wrong way? We can withhold love and mercy. I want to encourage you to give it. All right? Romans 12, um, verse well, Romans 12, verse 20 to 21, and I want to read it to you through um, the oh, wrong app. Romans chapter 12 and verse 20 and 21. Um, you might want to look it up in that. The NIV, that's fine. It says these words. It says, uh, Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Who are we talking about? Our enemy. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. Don't let evil get the best of you. Don't go, why God? Why has this happened to me? You could say that. You could say, why has this happened to me? These person deserve what I don't deserve. Instead, decide to get the best of evil by doing good. This is what this little girl does. John Wesley said these words. He said, people who wish to be offended will always find some occasion for taking offence. <laughs> people who wish to be offended will always find some occasion for taking offence. And I'm not, look, I'm not saying that if you're offended by someone or taking offence by somebody, then, um, you know, you're not a Christian or you're not a believer. But I'm just saying that, you know, in the Bible it says, don't give the devil a foothold. Like it doesn't, it doesn't say, oh, don't open the door for him. <laughs> it's just this little tiny foothold. And, it, and, it, and even like, a, even like a, a root of bitterness can start to throw down some deeper roots. And it can stay, it's harder to pull out those weeds. Don't let it happen. 
Don't let that root of bitterness happen. Don't let that offence happen. It's, it's hard to say that. It's hard to live it out. Because sometimes those offences that come our way, those, those offenders that come our way, they, um, they get under our skin. Don't, don't let a root grow down. Um, this little girl, for one reason or another, she decided to show mercy. And um, she was the most powerless person in the whole of that region. <laughs> or she wasn't. Or, or she wasn't. <laughs> so, isn't it amazing how God can use the most powerless person, his weakness, uh, sorry, our weakness, his strength is even more. Um, Isaiah 61, here's another one, sorry, I'm just, I know there's a lot of scriptures. Isaiah 61, Jesus quotes this, right? He says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places along devastated. Along devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Who are they? Where it says they will be called oaks of righteousness. They will rebuild ancient ruins. They will renew the ruined cities. Who are they? <coughs> they are the poor, the broken, captives, the prisoners, the mourners. That's, that's who they are. And God has changed them because of his mercy. And yeah, us. We're in that. God has changed us because of his mercy. He's reached into our lives. Someone has, someone has lowered themselves enough to trust God's strength and, uh, and help us out. Don't allow a, bitter, a root of bitterness to grow and fester. Bless and do not curse, Jesus says. Bless and do not curse. Jesus said in Matthew 10 and verse 8, he said, raise the dead. He said to the sent the disciples out and he gave them these instructions. He said, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy and drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Go in my name because you believe others will know that I live. I don't know if that's in there, but we sing about that. But that's the point. He said to them, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy. See, Naaman knew he had leprosy, but he didn't know he was unclean. Naaman knew he had an issue. Naaman knew he wasn't perfect. Naaman had success, right? Like when I know some people that have successful lives. Actually, on my way driving up here, I went past, I think it was about three or four 
really fantastic looking BMWs or, or Mercedes. It was like they were a car club or something. And these cars would have cost a lot of money, right? And these men were driving, men were driving, single men, no one around, no families, no nothing, right? But they were successful, right? In the world's eyes, they're successful. And I'm sure if I sat down and had coffee with them, I'd find out that there were some issues in their life. Like, you don't have to be, doesn't matter how much you earn, how much you don't have, there are issues. No one's perfect. And I think we all know that we have issues. I mean, you talk to the, anyone in, in Australia and they will know they're not perfect. They've got problems. I mean, you, a lot of young women these days, no matter how gorgeous they might look, they will always find something not right about their body and want to change it. And this man, Naaman, he had everything going for them, or for him. Um, he had issues and, and he knew that. But he didn't realise that he was unclean before God. You see, a lot of people that we face are like that. And they might be called enemies. We might like to call them enemies or people that rub us the wrong way or take things from us. They might cause us loss and grief and pain. But they just don't realise that they're unclean. Now, this little girl, she had nothing, but she didn't have leprosy. Her master had everything, and he was unclean, and she knew he was unclean. And so she offered himself freely, freely she had received, freely, freely she gave. Freely you have received cleansing from God, freely give that cleansing to people around you. And she did that. And Jesus said, actually, Jesus said that... Um, I will share this. In John's Gospel, real quick, he said uh, he, he went to a festival one day because um, sometimes it's difficult to give. You know, we it's freely, freely you've received. Yes, full stop. <laughs> but freely give, right? Jesus said to them, go, right? Cleanse the lepers. Cleanse the, and we need to do that too. We need to go out to the lepers, like the metaphorical people that know that they've got issues but they don't realise they're not clean before God. And then they know that they're alive, but mentally or spiritually, they know they're dead or sick or have demons. Um, Jesus said this at a feast, right? On the last and greatest day of the feast, John 7, 37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who had believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Right, fast forward to today, is Jesus glorified? Yeah. Has the Spirit been given to you? Okay, drink. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within. We're not a lake or a dam of the Holy Spirit. You are not a reservoir of the Holy Spirit, a water tank of the Holy Spirit. You are a stream. You're a stream, river, to flow, living water. And this little girl, she just modelled to all of us what it means to be a disciple of God, showing mercy to the people around her, loving her enemies, blessing them, seeking their peace and prosperity. And what happens is this guy ends up being healed 
which is beautiful. Verse um, two, 2 Kings 5, and we'll finish. 2 Kings 5 and verse 15. This uh, Verse 14 shows us that he is restored and became clean. His skin was like that of a young boy. Verse 15. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God, and he stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. And the story goes on by, you know, Elisha didn't want any gifts. Why? Because it's grace. It's free. And the church has been guilty in the past of receiving money in order to show God's grace. And it's not grace. Not this church. I mean, like the church, like before Luther. <laughs> like even some other churches too. But this is the point. And this is where this little girl sowed a seed by just going up to her mistress and saying, he should go and see Elisha. That little seed ended up growing into a wonderful tree that was this man that was tough as nuts, now soft before God, and saying, now I know that there is, now I know God's real. Now I know that God loves me. Now I know that he's the only one. Now I know he can save me. Now I know he can cleanse me from everything. Now, now I know I'm not the most powerful person and the most important person in all the world. He is, you know. And that's the, that's the point. And that's what we all should be focusing on. So when, when situations like that come our way, where there's loss or um, grief or despair or unfairness or injustice, you know what it is? It's actually an opportunity to see someone give glory to God. But if you're willing, only if you're willing, and I'm willing, to say, what can I do in this situation, God? And not say, why did this happen? But say, what are you saying? What are you doing? What can I do? What have I got power over in this situation? How can I bless? How can I bring peace and prosperity to these people and see your glory come in their life and see them surrendered to you? It's all about God getting the glory from one life surrendered and whole. And not only was he clean on the outside, but I'm sure he was clean on the inside too. Isn't that a good message that we can learn from this little girl? Like far out. A little girl. We don't let little girls preach in church, so I thought I'd just let her do that today. Let's pray. God, we just thank you that you do love us with your great mercy. That, um, yeah, we don't deserve your kindness we don't deserve your love or your mercy or forgiveness we don't deserve it and we just thank you for grace we thank you lord that um, yeah we just thank you for grace we thank you for what you did on the cross for us lord jesus and we thank you lord that we have a, a responsibility a, a privilege an assignment a commission to share the grace with the people around us and especially those that maybe are our enemies Maybe that, yeah, uh, Lord, those that offend us or those that seek to offend us. And Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us, God, to um, to cover ourselves with the oil of the Holy Spirit so any offense just slides off uh, and that we would live for you, Lord, and honor you and uh, seek the peace and prosperity of those around us. In Jesus' name. Amen.